0: I'm Sean Sheehan. And I'm Rodney Robinson. And this is the Teacher's Caucus Podcast. This meeting of the Teacher's Caucus Podcast is now in session. I'm Sean Sheehan, and with me as always is Rodney Robinson. Rodney, how you doing?
1: I'm good, man. Just maintaining and keeping the focus.
0: I hear you. I hear you. Stay hanging in there. Well, listen, get excited, though. I mean, I know, you, I know you're already acquainted with our guests, and I've had the pleasure of meeting him just the one time, but I, I, I know I could spend hours with him. We're talking to Mr. Jose Vilson this evening. Jose, how you doing?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I'm good. How are y'all? <laughs> New York is in the building. Yes, sir. Yes sir. You know the vibes?
0: <laughs> well, let me give you the I'll give let, let me read Jose your official bio and then we'll launch into it. So Jose Luis Wilson is a veteran educator, he's a writer, he's a speaker, he's an activist in NYC, he's the author of This Is Not a Test, a new narrative on race, class, and education. He's spoken about education, math, and race for a number of organizations and publications, including New York Times, The Guardian, TED, El Diario, La Prensa, and The Atlantic. He's a National Board Certified Teacher, a Math for America Master Teacher, and and this is where we're going to spend a lot of our time, the executive director of EduColor, an organization dedicated to race and social justice issues in education. He's currently, and congrats on this, a doctoral student studying sociology and education yes, at Teachers College, Columbia University. And he's now on the board of directors for the National Board of Professional Teaching Standards and Power My Learning. I think we got it all in there, Jose. Is that accurate? Is it?
2: Yeah, that's, that sounds right. pretty good. Though, um <laughs> Now, now you got to give me ten more minutes. So, what's well, good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stay doing big gotta things. So. got to tighten up my bio to to, to <laughs> be as esteemed as Mr. Wilson. <laughs> I know <laughs> look, at these,
2: look at these teachers of the year out here talk about my bio. Get out of here.
1: <laughs> hey, well, let, let's let's cut right
0: into it because this is this podcast is all about just getting to the point. And so, tell us what's going on in New York City. What's what's top of mind for you and educators in NYC in twenty
2: twenty one. COVID, I I don't know how else to put this, but COVID, I I don't get how we're still talking about post-COVID or when we used to have... What? No, no, no. We have COVID and we still have a whole bunch of folks who haven't gotten the vaccine and we still have a lot of this skepticism and we still have white supremacy and all sorts of things that are invading our schools. And so as a result, COVID is still the issue and we have systems that are uh, highly irresponsive to then he's the concerns of most our most disenfranchised folks out there too. So in New York City, I and mean, New York State and frankly the country and probably the world, like COVID. That that's where my mind is at, twenty four seven right now. Yeah. That's the trip. You know, we got
0: rid of it out here. I don't what's going on in Virginia?
1: <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. Texas Texas
0: don't deal with it anymore. I don't know if you knew that. We're back open for business. We've been open. So <laughs> Yo.
1: Virginia's bragging because they're like we're the top state in the south with the highest vaccination rate I'm like eh, is that really something to brag about because that's still pretty low in my opinion but <laughs> you know that's what we're doing we're just gonna move on as if nothing is out there you know <laughs> it's crazy So
0: now, now Jose you all just just started going back in person though right
2: yeah so we we actually opened school at the regular time and Actually, a lot of the charter schools opened a couple of weeks beforehand, too.
1: What does the case situation look like with when quarantine and all with, with the schools just opening?
2: I don't trust the numbers. Here's the situation, right? So on the one end, uh, New York State Department of Education decided to only test 10% of the student body. And then that 10%, you could actually have kids opt out of the process. So in fact, you only you have a very small percentage of kids who are actually getting tested for COVID. And you have a small percentage that are getting vaccinated of the folks who are eligible 12 and above. So generally speaking, I like whatever numbers are out there, it's hard to determine whether or not those are the factual numbers or they're just things that like, oh well, you know, it's it's cool. And even then we still have a bunch of schools that ended up shutting down and then like being closed and remote for two weeks but we never really created uh, thorough safeguards for how remote was supposed to look like so it, it's a lot right now all at the same time but the schools are just now reopening
0: right were y'all clo- were you virtual last year or was there some mix of in-person how, how was that decision making rolling out
2: it was weird i mean Some places were full remote. (laughs) Some places were hybrid. It depended on where you were and whether or not your administrator and and whether teachers were, you know, uh, going to take their medical leaves. Like, all these... It was just so many different things happening all at once. That was basically, like, school to school, district to district, which is why, you know, a lot of the keep schools open folks were mad because their districts wanted to shut down completely. And meanwhile, like, my district was able to go through uh both hybrid and virtual because we had different options for five days a week and even then like my son's school had a bunch of different cases that had to be shut down over the summer at some point too so like i said school to school district to district, it's just all a mess
0: ronnie how did that look where
1: you're at uh it was the same uh My district was one of two that was fully... Richmond City, of course, was one of the two that were fully virtual. But in April, you know, the governor and everyone pressured everyone to come. Every district had to offer some form of in-person learning. And, you know, they dangled that carrot and threatened the money if you don't. And, you know, so we had to open up to a small number. But some, I mean, some districts, I mean some districts just never shut down and just kept going with business as usual last year and even today they're still going as if you know nothing's wrong like one the one local school literally had uh i think it's our 2,500 kids in the school they had uh 1,300 in quarantine but didn't see a need to shut down and so you know it's it's a district to district thing and In Virginia, that varies from extremely red to extremely blue. Right.
0: Yeah, and then, of course, out here in Texas, we are extremely red, save for the big cities, you know, Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio, and Austin. I mean, where we were at, you know, so we closed down just like everybody did in spring of 2019. I was still in the classroom then doing ESL, Algebra One, math. And then I stepped out that following year, um, and, and we were really just kind of, we were back open for business, you know. And I would say, you know, the the mask wearing was still pretty high, though, go, you know, that last August. And then it has since, you know, it's definitely waned pretty significantly. We saw some good news this week, though. The pediatric cases, at least in North Texas, have really dropped significantly. It's kind of plateaued for your folks that are... Uh, uh, like twenty to twenty nine, thirty to thirty nine is how they measure that that increment. And so, it, you know, it just kind of ebbs and flows. But the pediatric cases, which was the thing that was more concerning, was it has dropped off. And 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 Jose, you're you're a father, and I'm a father too. And those are, the, when you work for the system, and then you are also sending your kids to that same system. I mean, it's stressful. That's a whole another level of stress that I think, you know, we want to elevate the teachers who are in that situation where you're having to weigh your family's own well being as well as the students that you serve every day. I mean, have you heard it? What, what are your facts. thoughts on
2: that? That's facts. I think what people need to recognize is that yes, teachers are human beings and that cuts across multiple things too. So like there are enough teachers, for example, who uh don't believe in vaccination. Oh my gosh. Can't believe I'm saying this. I'm going to say it. I don't care. Like, Yo, there are too many people who do not believe, like, in intervention measures, who want to, you know, keep schools open regardless, all this other stuff. And a lot of them happen to be teachers, just like you and me. And there are others yeah. who, you know, we went as... By the way, this is especially true for teachers of color. We went ahead and, like, took the next steps over and said, "Now nah, we want to get masked and vaccinated. We want to do all the things to make sure our kids are able to come in safe. So, like, whatever your orientation is around, like you know, what you think about COVID, all right, no doubt. But, you know, people are actually straight up dying. So um, it's hard out there because I think, you know, on top of so many of our colleagues having passed away in the last 19 uh, months due to, you know, any number of diseases and issues, um, we have a crumbling system that consistently asks educators to take the brunt of whatever's happening with society instead of transforming society to be better so that schools can actually be better along with it, right? So, like, teachers can't solve every single problem that's out there, and yet it just got foisted upon us, and COVID even more so. So we just became, like, either the 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 heroes or the, uh, the scapegoats for everything and all points in between.
1: I agree with that because it seems like You know, society has ripped away the social safety net and just says school is the social safety net. You know, you have to catch everything from, you know, medical diagnosis to mental health to feeding our kids. Everything is left up to the schools. And quite honestly, you know, now I've had this conversation all day, literally all day talking friends off the ledge because this isn't sustainable. You know, this right. uh, the way we are right now, it is not sustainable. And with, like you said, people are going about business as usual. Hey, let's get some more testing in. Let's do this. You know, and it's just like, it's COVID, man. <laughs> Everybody's just struggling just to maintain right now. But we're being forced into these things. And it's just... Too much, man, and like I was telling people all day, I don't know how this is sustainable. Every meeting I've had this week has turned into a "We can't do this much longer," you know. And so that's real, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And I know Texas is going through some of the same things. Yeah,
0: you know that burnout is hitting a lot faster. You know, it's that way. You're weighing your own well-being versus that need to serve the kids, and 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 we as educators, you know, it's like if it's not me, then who's it going to be? I mean, that's that's the struggle that yeah. in other professions, you know, when I was a server at Chili's and I wasn't going to show up like there were other people <laughs> that are going to pick it up. Right. No sweat. Don't worry. The Dr. Yeah. Pepper will get passed out. The ranch will get delivered. It's all good. <laughs> when you're not in the classroom in front of the kids, that's more work for you as the educator. The burden, yes. you shoulder that burden. Right. And so let's let's pivot. I know, yeah. you know, I know teachers are tired of the COVID talk. What, what's that second top issue going on in New York City? What's what's going on?
2: Oh, oh man! I mean, I think you're right, but I gotta just pull back a little bit too, because I think you're right about some. Is that like this era has definitely made people reflect on the teaching profession as something that's viable, as with every other profession too. Like, have, how many job changes have you seen, like on Facebook or on Twitter or whatever? Everybody's like, "Oh, like I gotta change jobs," because now like I can actually see myself in this. It's like, okay, great, I'm happy for you, but that you know, with teaching. Like the problems were before COVID, we had issues with any yes. number of things before COVID, and all this did was accelerate it. It didn't actually like you know do anything but accelerate. Like it put an exponent on everything that we were already talking about as as educators.
1: Um There's a math talk, you said put an exponent on it.
2: <laughs> yeah, you listen. <laughs> you know I had to get by. with I had to put a little something on it. Um, yeah. The second issue is generally all the issues that were happening before COVID. So like COVID for me is just like that amplifier that says, "All right, like whatever issue we had before COVID, we're going to go ahead and multiply that by like 10. We're going to multiply that by 20." So um when I look at students who are are, are struggling right now when it comes to their economic situation and we still see like hyper segregation within our schools um, it's evident to me that like too many of our kids still feel like they don't belong in our schools. Uh, too many kids, especially our black and brown children who make up the majority of our school system, don't feel like their schools love them back. Uh, and you know, not to say that institutions will ever love you back in the way that they, they deserve. Right. Cause that's what institutions do. But it is to say that at the very least, like the adults who serve there, should try their best to like make some sort of environment that makes fe- kids feel like, oh snap, like I actually feel cared for in this space. And that's not necessarily happening. And then, of course, tie that to the economic stratification that's happening here. Like, you see all those high rises, and y'all yeah, been to New York, so I know this. Like, you see all these big high rises all over the place, right? But then, you know, only a couple miles away, you have some of the poorest like project buildings out there, like in the country. So, all that to say, um, New York City has a lot of work to do, and I don't really care about, like, Red State, Blue State, all that other stuff. i rather talk about, like, you know, who's got the wealth, who's got power, who doesn't, and then talk to me about that, right? Because what people don't understand is that New York State, like, if you take out uh, New York City, Albany, Rochester, Buffalo, and Syracuse, it is a red state. Right, <laughs> It is yeah, a red right. state, yeah. right? So, like, I, if I'm not mistaken, Mississippi has more blue districts than uh New York does. And in fact, like Texas has about the same d- number of districts as like New York does in the way of blue and red or whatever have you proportionally when you look at those maps. But uh you know, redlining does things, segregation does things. And so you know New York has a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do in the city and the
1: state overall. How is the 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 CRT how I know, you know, New York is not a major battle, but how is it, you know, statewide in New York? They put up a bill. We laughed. <laughs> I mean, what it,
2: that's cool. Like, okay. I, so <laughs> here's what I feel about CRT. Like, number one, I, you know, a helpful tool is this. If you actually read the work by Crenshaw and Bell and so on and so forth, yeah. like the way you tell, I, I know y'all know it, is, you know, these listeners, they got to hear this though. Yeah. You gotta explain it like a pre kindergartner. Oh, so CRT just means there's racism and you could do something about it. Oh, wait, what? Like this is what we're arguing about? This is what we got all these bills going up for. Like once you talk about it in that simple form, it becomes much easier to say, all right, put up all the bills you want. But guess what? I'm gonna still teach the truth in my classroom. And that you gotta are you gonna put up a bill against the truth? I mean, is that what you want to do here? You could do that. <laughs> you yeah, know it's just the, t- it's the talking just so points, to me.
0: the talking points they're getting from is there racism exists and there's something we can do about it, and it's your fault. That's like they Woo. folks have tacked that on, and you're like, what? Like who? Who's who keeps saying? Please. you know, let we, just we my a, feelings. Please don't. <laughs> me. The earlier don't version me. we had, we've had. Yeah. If if you guys are just now getting around to introducing the bill, Texas doubled down, and we passed a second bill on it. Okay, we went round two on it. Because the first time we didn't quite get it right. Like, the, the governor was like, hey, hey, listen, uh, you know, we got some of those boxes, but there's a couple more <laughs> we got to get. And we, I <laughs> yeah. specifically remember the bill text on the first one that said, like, teachers can't present, like, information that, they're, you know, say things in such a way that it creates guilt or anguish on the part of, like, the student <laughs> if it's associated with their own, like, racial background yeah. or, or gender. And you're like, <laughs> if it creates anguish or guilt... Gosh, how do you even like measure that? Like, (laughs)
2: luckily, I got a list. (laughs) Oh, no, no,
1: Wisconsin has created the list. Have you seen Wisconsin's bill? I mean, they actually owe Bettina Love some money because I'm pretty sure they went and opened up their book and highlighted every word in the book and added it to their list of things you can't discuss. I mean literally, when I was reading that list, I was like, am I reading, you know, Abolitionist Teacher again cuz that's literally their entire list was just words from her book and I was <laughs> but yeah, they, there's actually a list of words that you can't say in Wisconsin. So, you know, it, it's it's just frustrating that with on top of COVID and everything that educators are dealing with right now hmm. that they now have to deal with this foolishness as well you know and that's contributed yeah. into the burnout yeah but
2: and that's facts but let's call it for what it is too like how many educators generally were actually going hard and teaching yeah. any level or modicum of critical race theory out there like they, i would venture to say that maybe one in 20 were actually about that life and that's okay to say like there's some folks who are curious there's some folks who were like i see your point but how many of us were really out there being like, all right, like, I've got to teach this hard? Like, you really, like, I'm going to teach you this, this Malcolm X eulogy that was written by Ozzy Davis out here. Like, I'm going to be out here, you know, analyzing Dr. Love and like Glory Lesson buildings in the classroom. Not very many. So, if you ask me, they're coming after us. <laughs> they're yeah. coming after us. Yeah. Like, and you saw what happened, at, was it in Texas too? It's Texas, yeah, um, the probably, brother in Texas. The, the yeah, the oh my God. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yo, you're teaching <laughs> critical race theory because of what you look like. Like, you're kissing a white woman. We can't have that. So <laughs> they went, to they went into the archives. I mean, they went
0: they went way back in the timeline. It was like nine year old wedding photos that they had. You know, it's that's a whole other. You know what? Actually, yeah. I, I was speaking with. Uh, we're gonna have we'll have Eric Hale on the podcast. Twenty twenty Texas Teacher of the Year. He has a lot of thoughts about that. So we'll talk. Mm-hmm. If, if if for the listeners, if you haven't seen the NBC News uh, South Lake podcast that's out that tracks this same kind of discussion and how it's played out in one community in North Texas. Check that out. You know, South Lake uh, school board just the other night had an issue with a teacher. A teacher had a book in her room. It was, uh, it was how, no, it wasn't not how to be anti-racist, but the book was in the room and the book came from a Uh teach a student's choice. The student want, they, the kids can read what they want to read. And so it was, it was a. I don't know if the student like brought the book or if the teacher bought the book for the student, but that's where how it originated. It was student choice. It wasn't a thing that they passed out. Like, hey, y'all should read this. Admin chose not to. Was reprimand. it Tiffany Jules' book? I don't know. You know, I I don't want to misspeak. I don't know the book actually. So um, this book is
2: anti-racist. That's probably it.
0: And I think it was like a. It was, it's a younger grades. It's the lower grades. Anyway yeah they uh the admin the the campus admin was like hey look you know whatever we we dealt with it and then the school board went involved got involved they're like "Mm, you didn't deal with it in a three two vote uh we are officially reprimanding you for this action for being in possession of this book bro um yeah Yeah. that's that's this
1: book is (laughs) anti-racist that was the book (laughs) this book is (laughs) anti-racist yo it's a trick wow um, and you know, so this yeah, is a good this surprised.
0: is a good kind of segue then. So, you know, the the number one reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast, Jose, and thanks for coming yeah. out was talk to us, introduce our listeners to edgy color, walk us through kind of the how it came to fruition and then what's on deck, because I know you have a lot of big things and on I, deck.
1: And I'm Ooh, mad because I lost my shirt. You know, I had the edgy color shirt that I bought last year, but somehow in my move it's gotten lost. So I was trying to wear it tonight, but I can't find it. You know, I, I bought the shirt. Support the movement.
2: Man, that's love. <laughs> Thank you, man. Um yo, I mean Ed- educata's it's a blessing. So Educata started in twenty fourteen. You know, we are an organization dedicated to racial social justice issues. And we started out as just a, a humble chat trying to change the narrative of what it was to actually have a conversation about diversity and equity online. But then at some point we say, all right, got to go straight organization mode because there's any number of spaces that really need our help, especially when it comes to advocacy for and by teachers of color and then educators of color just generally. Right. And so, um, we just found pockets of ways for us to advocate for and, uh, with educators of color, including in school boards and, uh, spaces where we weren't represented, whether it be tech, um, activism wherever it was we were like okay just make sure you put race at the center and we can have this conversation so um we've had some really dope things some obviously some really good efforts with um with ted for example We're, we're collaborating with them around elevating educators voices um more recently i think just last week we had a conversation with the kid mero uh for uh with the center for american progress for the we build the project highlighting educators of color's voices uh during covid so that was really dope um and we have this thing with the expectations project trying to deal with these uh anti-crt bills or whatever the uh flip have you um Generally, we're just trying to build up and trying to build out and make sure that like we stay at the center, whether it be at the policy table, the pedagogy spaces, or school boards or whatever else we can make influence in. Because uh, let's call it for what it is: like there aren't many organizations that are really trying to center us. And so for me, I was like, what's the best way that I could make sure that our policies actually like talk back to the spaces that like we don't get to be part of? It's always about like teachers more generally, but the educ the the I guess the edge color movement has decided, nah, we actually want to make sure you specifically talk about teachers of color, whether it be, like, the predominant uh, Latinx force that's over in, like, California, or even in Florida, where, the, again, this vast majority, like, in in um, Miami-Dade County, vast majority, D.C., space, not, and not just the cities either. Like, even where, like, you are maybe feeling alone, where you're, like, the one teacher of color in your building you have a network that you could rely on a space that you could just jump into and we're here to support you so and of course we do it without any real uh, funding so a lot of this is just very volunteer and it's been a blessing but uh we are building up and building
1: out and it's it's been dope that's that's awesome man that's that good work you know we can't we can't do this by yourself you got to have a dope group with you to elevate yes, the work, and it's, it's much easier when you have that support. And so what is, let's say, what is one legislative thing you, you want the city of New York or the state of New York to just say, look, we need to get serious about this? What will be your legislative priority?
2: I mean, besides the recruitment and potential teachers of colors, you know, that's always going to be my thing, like for sure. Because, you know, even when we have 46% uh, educators of color in New York City, what I also noticed informally is that, like, the poorer the district, the more teachers of color they are, which means that the richer the district, the less teachers of color they are. So outside of the big five that I mentioned earlier, you have about 2 or 3% teachers of color in those spaces where, like, you have a student body that is, like, 50%, 60%. Like, that is absurd. Um, and a lot of that is the forces that are, you know, hiring. You can say, all you want, oh, like, we don't have enough teachers of color, but you actually have to hire folks. And then when they get to the room, you actually have to care whether or not they get to be full human beings in those spaces. And y'all know it's what accurate. I'm talking about. Like, it's they accurate. want our faces, they want our faces... But they don't want our direction. They don't want our advice. Like, they're very good at saying, oh, like, if y'all could just be disciplinarians and overseers, like, we'll take care of you or whatever, have you. And it's like, no, 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 no. We come in as full human beings. And so when you hire me, you you know that I'm really good at my job. A, because I had to work so much harder to get to the position that I'm at. I had to do all these licensure things that, like, were already systemically against me, uh, even being here. And then third, like you know the kids relate to me because I actually work hard on building relationships. And even, especially with white children, like the fact that I'm in a school district with, yeah, this is just me being an example, right? Like just, if I'm out there somewhere in a suburb or in a rural space and I see all... Like white children in front of me, I'm still using the same pedagogical tools that I would use with my students of color. Unapologetically, that deep relationship building, that uh contextual learning, that uh ability to translate real world issues to what's happening in their own lives. Like those are things that you consistently see when it comes to educators of color. Not to say that all of us are doing it, but enough of us are doing it where, you know, we're we can really do really profound work with the spaces that are often antagonistic towards our being, but you gotta put it you gotta do the work so in New York State for me like make sure it's not just recruitment retention it's also about our experiences when we get into the classroom so we can actually recruit and retain and ret- like actually hold on to the humanity of the teachers that are in there
0: man that's great definitely, stuff so definitely. so for our listeners direct them where can they go how do they get involved What's what's the next step for them
2: Listen, I mean, we, we've we been very blessed. You know, thanks <laughs> <laughs> thanks a large part to so much of the work that we've done in the last year. shout out to Hey Makota Emil Baez, Julia Torres, Lorena Hedman, uh y- Y'all know squad, 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 squad. Um, we just opened up our membership, and we decreased the price because, you know, like, we're people-funded. So, like, it's a tax deductible joint. Y'all can hop onto our membership whenever y'all wish. EduColor.org is a space where everything and anything... uh Educator is it, related. Obviously, y'all heard about the shirts. We got mad gear out there and it's really dope to look at as well. And you know, whatever and it's funny, like I don't even I'm not even gonna like put too much on it, but everybody I know who's been rocking a shirt, they always come out and say, Yo, like somebody stopped me and said, Yo, that's a really nice shirt. Like, you can how can I be part? which means that there's a connectivity when it comes to the gear. And, of course, third, you know, we have an online chat once a month. If there's not an event involved, there's always going to be some sort of online chat where people can just talk to people. Like, if you don't have squad, we will be your squad for you. Like, there's, there's no doubt about it. Even if you're somebody who, you know, it's just coming out of nowhere, like, we will create a community with you and for you, wherever we can.
0: Man, that's great. Well, that was... You already answered the question. You know, we like to close out our episodes of the homework assignment, but that right there, folks, I think that's your homework assignment is check out the Edge of Color movement. Get involved in the way that makes sense to you. They're doing great work. You know, I, when I was trying to find that space, I mean, you created it in 2014. And in 2013, when I was trying to find that space, y- y'all were the only ones that, like, you pioneered that. You pioneered it. And for you— You know, for someone like me who's Filipino-American, like, you know, just generally brown and like uh, ambiguous for everybody else who's looking at me in the state of Oklahoma, like, so is he Hispanic or is he, I don't, you know, uh, that chat really, I mean, (laughs) it it provided the, the place. You know, because, like, you you gave the example for folks that alone, like, literally, I was the only, like, Asian educator on the campus, right? So where do I find my people? Where do It seems like we didn't exist, and and, and I just want to thank you, man. I mean, that was deeply personal, and that's—when we connected in New York at the TED thing, man, we were, like, you know, we kind of had those eyes across the room, like, wait, is that that what I think it is? And then just linked up, so, you know, just so much gratitude for the work that you all do, I just— Wanna give you your flowers, man. I don't know if people do that enough, but like yes, you know, to tell you as someone on the user end. On the user end, it's 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 powerful, impactful work that makes a difference for and, and it was everything when I needed it to be, man. Like that's real talk. I, I can't tell you enough. So the, y'all have your homework. Rodney hit him with the extra credit though.
1: I mean, I just appreciate just show my love and the flowers because you don't realize, but like when I met you in Austin, that was like my first major speech as Teacher of the Year, and so mm-hmm. as National Teacher of the Year. And so it's just like, you know, just nervous and trying to figure things out. And, you know, I remember us sitting and having dinner that night and you just dropping nugget after nugget after nugget on me that just allowed me to make it through this year. And so I just wanted to say I appreciate you that, for for just being that, creating that community, opening up that space for me to try to find who I am and, and as I went along the journey. And I, you know, I've come a long way since that one night, you know, trying to figure things out. But, you know, I yeah, appreciate, appreciate that love. But the extra credit, you know, like uh just find out what's going on, you know, support the movement, support what's going on. And, and if you're out there and you're in New York, you know, support the edgy color movement. You know, make sure we get more teachers of color because, I mean, you know, we could talk all day about how how important that is to the profession. But just make sure you're up to date. And like I said, just join the movement, find your community, find your Squad because it's out there. So just keep searching.
2: Yeah, man. I mean, yo, I, I have to. I have to. So now I got to show love because what, what folks don't understand, too, is that. Every time somebody like Sean, like Rodney, like became a state son of the year, it wasn't a win for just them singularly. It was a win for me. It was a win for all of us because we consistently said, you want to find the best teachers? Go find them. They look just like us. Yo, go learn that mm-hmm. tagalog. <laughs> Yo, go go get that, you know, collard greens and... Go go holla at us, at our neighborhoods, in the spaces where we provide influence and raise up our people consistently. And so when I tell you, like, (laughs) Rodney, when he won, I literally said, yo, let me go find out, like, what number he was in terms of, like, uh, teaser of the year. When I found this man was the third black male educator, like, I found that. And all the other reporters, they were biting off me. Because I was like, yo, that's my guy right there. I don't care what any of y'all say, all right? And then, you know, meeting Sean, I was like, okay, so we out here. Like, you got to represent. So it's not just about the color, too. It's also about the energy, right? Like, yeah, you want fam, you definitely. want squad. You bring them in. You say, all right, you, I need, I'm need. i going to represent with you. I'm going to go hard for you. Like, out there, wherever you are, I got to make sure I pull you up with you. Because this, like, we, we only got us. We only got mm-hmm. us. So... Even if people don't know who I am, I'm like, yo, y'all, all you all people who run these big organizations, who run all these unions, go find my people, go find Sean, go find Rodney, go find all all our all beautiful people, go learn how they teach, how they do their work, because we need to keep pulling them up. And so, thank y'all for being y'all as well.
0: All right, you know we appreciate you. Thanks for coming out on the show, Jose. You can find him uh, You can find them on Twitter at the JLV. On Instagram at the Jose Vilson, that's J O S E V I L S O N. And website is the same, the T H E Also follow EduColor on uh, everywhere at E D U Color C O L O R M V M T for movement. Um
1: Ronnie, any closing thoughts? I just like I said I just appreciate it you know I like how you you know you dropped that Nino Brown on us we all we got you know what I mean CMB we all we got you know but yeah just appreciate it man thank you for coming out tonight
2: yes sir all right
0: thanks for listening in this meeting of the teachers caucus podcast is now adjourned